The Bird of Fortune Once there was, and once there wasn't, when fleas were porters and camels were barbers. Well, in that time there was a great king who had three sons. This Padishah seemed a man with only half a brain between his ears. Day after day he did foolish things, things that didn't suit his age and his position as a Padishah. He cared little for the business of governing the land and spent all his time going hunting or playing in other sports and entertainments. One day, feeling in a particularly playful mood, he called his three sons to his side. Tell me, he said, how much do you love me? Well, the princes by now were quite used to their father's strange behaviour and they thought little of his question. But well they knew how angry he became when he wasn't answered, so answer they must. The oldest prince spoke first. Dear father, I love you as much as I love gold and silver and diamonds, said he. His oldest son's answer pleased the Padishah. Well spoken, he cried. You must indeed love me dearly. And then he looked at his middle son. Well, how much do you love me? And the second son answered, My dear father, I love you as much as I love honey and sweet pastries. Ah, yes, my stout son, the Padishah chuckled. If you love me as much as that, you must truly love me very much. Finally, he turned to his youngest son. Tell me, my littlest son, how much do you love me? The youngest son did not answer at once. And then, swallowing hard, he said, Quietly, my dear father, I love you as much as I love salt. This unexpected answer made his brothers shake with laughter. But the Padishah's face suddenly became cloudy. His eyebrows came together in a dark scowl. And what? What did you say? He cried. You love me as much as salt, eh? You faithless son, couldn't you find something more precious than salt? Trembling with fury, he took two gold coins from the small mother-of-pearl chest at his side. One he gave to his eldest son, and the other he presented to his middle son. Go now, he said. In you I am well pleased, my beloved sons. And respectfully, the two walked backwards from the room, bowing almost down to the floor as they left. As soon as they had gone, the Padishah clapped his hands twice. And when a servant entered the room, Quickly, call the court executioners, he ordered. The servant immediately ran off to do his bidding. In three or five minutes, two large Terrifying-looking executioners came in. The Padishah pointed to his littlest son and said, Hurry, take him away, cut off his head. If you do not carry out my order, I shall have you cut up into small pieces. Well, like everyone else in the palace, both of these executioners loved the little prince very much. But obeying the Padishah's order, they grasped him by the arms and carried him from the room. And quickly they ordered two horses prepared for riding and one executioner took the little prince beside him on his horse. And then, mixing smoke with dust, they rode with great speed for the forest. 
At a place in the mountains, far away from the palace, they stopped. And the little prince looked at them, wide-eyed, waiting to see what his fate would be at their hands. Gazing at him, the executioners were moved to pity. One said, My dear prince, we cannot kill you, but you heard our padishah's order. He won't be happy unless we give him proof of your death. Come, take off your shirt and give it to us, and we shall go and catch and kill a hare and dip your shirt in the blood of the hare. And then we shall say, Here, my padishah, we've cut the prince into two pieces, and we shall give the bloody shirt to your father. But you must get away from your father's land, and you must never, never come back. The little prince immediately took off his shirt. Giving it to the executioners, he thanked them for sparing his life again and again. And taking one of the horses, he mounted and rode beyond sight, far into the distance. He went a little, he went far. He went straight over hills and over rills, until finally he came to a city in another country. He was so tired that his body was all one ache, but he dismounted his horse and knocked at the door of the first house by the side of the road. An old woman opened the door. My mother, the boy began, will you be so kind as to take me in? I have nobody at all in the world to care for me. I'm a stranger to this country. Please accept me as a son. Now, as it happened, the old woman herself had no one in this world to call her own. Feeling happy that at last she could have a son, she accepted the prince willingly. And while the old woman prepared food to put before him, the boy hurried to the fountain nearby and washed his hands, his face and his feet. And then he returned and satisfied his stomach with the good plain food. And after feeding his horse and bedding him down in the old woman's stable, the boy lay down on the straw mat that the old woman had prepared for him and he fell into a deep sleep. Not many days after that, the boy woke up one morning to the sound of carts and horses passing by the old woman's house, all going toward the centre of the city. What's this, my mother, he called. Is today a holiday in the city? Where's everyone going? The old woman answered, No, my son, it's not a holiday. It's something much more important than that. Yesterday, our padishah died, and today his viziers will set free the bird of fortune, and it will choose our new great king. Oh, my dear mother, the prince cried, Please take me to... Let's go and watch. The old woman was actually very eager herself to see the choice made by the bird of fortune. So she agreed to take the boy. Quickly they dressed themselves and went out into the street. And with the crowd they went to the meeting place at the big central square of the city. After everybody had gathered, the viziers released the bird of fortune and the birds started to fly in great circles above the crowd. Some said, oh, I wonder if he'll land on me, feeling very much excited. And others said, oh, I wish that he would land on my head. And they stood on tiptoe to make themselves taller. And meanwhile, the bird flew round and round until he came at last 
and perched on the head of the young prince. Immediately there were words from every mouth in the crowd. No, he's a stranger. He can't be our king. Well, since there appeared no other solution, the viziers announced that the next morning there'd be another choice made by the bird of fortune. And so the crowd went home. The next day, everyone gathered again in the city square, and this time to be sure he wouldn't arouse the anger of the crowd, the little prince went along a side street to the cemetery and sat there on a stone by the gate. Again, the viziers set the bird of fortune free. The crowd was almost bursting with excitement, but there was no voice or echo from anyone. All eyes were gazing upward, following the flight of the bird. Going hither and yon, it settled at last on the head of the young prince as he sat in the cemetery. Again the crowd shouted its anger and disapproval. No, no, this won't do at all, some said, and the chances of a Turk are three, others cried. And so the viziers announced there would be a third trial for the following day. The next morning, every person able to totter came very early to the public square. The prince and the old woman had just barely gone out of their house and were walking toward the crowd when the bird of fortune was set free. And the bird flew straight over the heads of the crowd and then, going farther away, for the third time he landed on the head of the young prince. Well, this time the crowd must accept the choice and they came forward one by one to greet their new Padishah. On that day, the little prince began to rule his new country. Being a very clever young man, in a short time he had the whole country won over to him and he did many fine things for his people. The news went from mouth to mouth that he governed the country like a rose and as for the little prince, he was very happy. Several years passed and at last the young Padishah, without letting anybody know who he was, sent a letter to his father, inviting him to visit his country. His father, who still enjoyed all kinds of recreation and activity, accepted this invitation at once, and with a group of soldiers, he set forth to visit. The young Padishah went with a splendid retinue to meet the visitors, and he watched anxiously for some sign that his father recognised him. But since the young king had let his beard and moustache grow long and had besides gained much in stateliness now he was a Padishah, his father never suspected that this was the son he had condemned to death for his want of judgment. Now, the young Padishah had ordered his cooks to prepare many elegant foods and dishes, but to prepare them without using any salt at all. The visitor and his whole party sat down to dinner with the greatest of expectations. But what was this? The food had no taste at all. 
delicious as it looked, it couldn't please the taste without salt. His stomach faint from disappointment and hunger, the visiting Padishah at length left the table intending to look in upon his soldiers before they went to their night's rest. And as he entered their quarters, all he could hear was a grumbling about the food they'd been served. Without any salt, exclaimed one. Who ever heard of a meal without salt? Well, the Padishah shared their dissatisfaction, but he said nothing at all about the matter to the young ruler. The following day, while they sat at the splendid but saltless noonday meal, the guest king said, My good friend, have you no salt in your land? The young king answered, Oh, indeed we do, my king, and we have so much of it that most of the salt for the whole world is sent in the ships from our own harbour here. Well, the visiting king was speechless with surprise, and at last, piqued by curiosity, he said, Well, but all of your meals are saltless. Whatever is the reason for serving your food without salt? And this time the young king looked puzzled. Sire, I understood that you had no taste for salt, that you held it worthless, and that you therefore never used it in your meals. In order to please you, I ordered that no salt be used in the meals in my palace during your visit. But that's impossible! cried the old king. Whoever told you such nonsense is a fool. How can life be without salt? I love salt very much indeed. But, said the young Padishah, when your youngest son said he loved you as much as he loved salt, you were so angry that you put his life into the hands of your court executioners. How can that be? Aroused, the visiting king looked deep into the eyes of the young Padishah, and at last he knew the truth. This young ruler was indeed his own son. Oh, his eyes flowing like two fountains in his joy, the old king embraced his son. Truly, said he, if I am as dear to you as salt, I must be very dear indeed, and may Allah preserve both your love and your wisdom. And so it was that the two were reconciled and dwelt happily ever after. And may we have a share of their good fortune.